Hey, I'm super out. excited to have Heather up here with me. Ooh. It's a it's a rare time. This, we've never done this before, not like this. So, I'm uh, I'm really excited to get to share with her. Let me have a little confession time. Some of you guys texted me last week afterwards, and you said things like, "Sure, hope you give it to the girls like you did us." <laughs> and so I thought, you know what? Let's play fair. If you have been watching The Bachelor, I want you to stand up right now. I'm just kidding, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, but seriously, stand up right now. Hey, you know what? Some of you are like, some of you are like, I have been watching that, but just for educational reasons. Um, you know, we, I am gonna be a little bit, it's just, it's just different, fellas, when you, I'm talking to you boys here. It's just different when you address ladies. Like, when I talk to you guys, I, I mean, I, I do, I love you and I care about you and we're guys and like, we can kind of wrestle around about it. We can kind of get in each other's faces and we kind of just, you know, bro it up a little bit and slap each other and like slap each other again. like fight a little, argue, and at the end of the day, like, we're hanging out and it's fine. But talking with a girl is just different. And the Bible points that out, and, uh, and the way that the disciples are addressed versus the way the, the women were addressed that followed Jesus around, it was very different. I will tell you how different it is. When Heather and I were looking at some of these same passages, I thought, I am so glad that she is up here because I don't read the Bible the same way that she reads the Bible. And then it got me thinking, I probably need to apologize to all of you ladies in here for all the weeks that I have taught from an extremely male perspective. Like I had no idea what a male, how, how male my perspective was. Like I read the Bible, and I think about it like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's good. Like, oh, it's convicting. Oh, yeah, all right. Like, and then I think I teach like that a lot of times. And I really appreciate you ladies going, all right, let me, I think I know what he's trying to say. Let me unpack it. Let me, re, let me reorganize it and let me put it back into a context that can be adapted from a female standpoint. And so I just, you have to listen to a lot of guys talk. And I think that is the design that God has given in the church. And at the same time, it is not an easy thing. And I just appreciate your grace that you give. Uh, so Heather, tonight we were, we were talking and just, I have this up so that we can see what you're seeing behind us at, at different points. But the idea, I think, tonight is this imperishable beauty. And fellas, if you're instantly thinking, pretty girl, like that's actually not what the Bible means when it uses the, word, the words imperishable and beauty. It's talking about this inner quality that God has designed for women to carry. He has not designed this same quality in men. Women carry this, this imperishable beauty on the inside, and the problem is we often just judge the outside. 
And that's both male and female. But like we talked about last week, the creation of the sexes is for, uh, is for a reason. Both sexes, male and female, exemplify different parts of God's character. So what parts are seen in a godly woman? And these are just a few of the attributes that God has bestowed upon women in particular. Men can certainly have some of these attributes, just like the ones we looked at last week. But here's just a few. I think a godly woman uh, in the Bible exhibits a wisdom, a special kind of wisdom that men don't always have. Uh, in the Bible, the woman is the picture of the helper. Now, which part of the Trinity is a picture of the helper? The Holy Spirit. I think it's really interesting as you put your mind around what is biblical womanhood, if you will think about what is the role of the Holy Spirit. There is something very, very intimately related between the way God created women and the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, evangelist, I'm going to have Heather talk about that in a minute. The idea of faith, I do believe that when a woman comes to know the Lord, there's a special type of faith that she often exhibits that us guys don't necessarily have. Uh, a woman is a life giver, a nurturer. A woman is also a persuader, and you know that because you know that uh, as one movie quoted, as one movie uh, said, I'll quote it, Yes, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck that turns the head. And it is amazing how often in the Bible you see a woman in the role of persuader. Think about Esther. Think about Ruth. Think about Deborah. Think about Mary Magdalene. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. So many women in the scriptures have take on the role of persuader. And then there is beauty. Beauty is a whole topic in and of itself, and it is not abstract. It is a real and measurable thing that God has bestowed upon a woman. And yes, some of it is physical. You are much prettier than us fellows. That's just a fact. But it's different than that also. So I want to turn it over to Heather for just a second. We didn't pray, did we? We didn't. We didn't? We, Strike one. We, right. Well, Will did for us, so that's good. That does count. That counts. You know what? I'll pray for us anyway, and okay. then you'll get rolling. How about that? <laughs> Lord, I thank you for Will's prayer that counted. <laughs> Father, I thank you for Heather, and I thank you for all of the women that you've brought tonight. I thank you for their sphere of influence with lots of other women. Lord, I ask that you would give the men listening ears to hear and see what is a biblical woman, especially if they're interested in getting married at some point. May they find a biblical woman, Lord, for these women, whether they get married, whether they're dating, whether they stay single the rest of their lives. My prayer, Father, is that they would be biblical women, sound and strong and beautiful and content and whole only in the powerful name of Jesus, whose name we pray right now. Amen. Amen. So, Heather, yeah. one of the first things that you thought about when it came to biblical womanhood was the idea of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yes. Um, I think that first, um, the fear of the Lord is the wisdom that we have. And to get that is 
having the fear of the Lord. Um, and I just kind of want to go back. Can we go back a slide and look at persuader? Because that's where I was going to begin. Um, yeah, it's whatever you say. Yeah. Persuader. I like that. I okay. just want to get. I just want to get the the convicting part a little bit. I hope it's all convicting, actually, and life changing. But like, I just want to talk about women being persuaders in not a godly way. So let's talk about. I mean, that's like Potiphar's wife. Um, I was thinking about Jezebel. I'm thinking about um, Proverbs 7 is where I went um, to talk about, I mean, to look at the foolish woman. So I'm not going to go through those verses, but just to let you know that um, that describes the foolish woman. And opposite of that would be the wise woman that you ladies always hear about, Proverbs 31 woman. Um, and that's where you go to get um, the information of being a wise, godly woman. Great passage there. But I want to take you to a passage um, with a foolish woman. So let's look at her life in John 4. And this is the woman at the well. And many of you have heard this as well. Um, and we know that the Samar in Samaria, the women already were not looked well upon, but definitely not this woman. And Jesus approaches this woman, and I'm just going to kind of skip around these verses. But um, Jesus arrives, and he asks for her to give him a drink. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And they continue to have a conversation and he talks about how he's living water and the well is deep. Um, everyone who drinks of this water will be will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I kind of just want to go um, to her situation because Jesus addresses that and Jesus speaks directly to her because the woman says, well, give me this water. And he says, go call your husband and come here. And then she has to say, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying that. You have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And she says, what you have said is true. Um, and so I just want to talk about her for a minute, because I just feel I'm just going straight at it. I feel that a lot of my sisters are the woman at the well. And you're longing for a need that only Jesus can give. And there are many people that are longing for relationship or work status or many other things. But he came directly at this woman who had been trying to find relationship after relationship after relationship. And she was not even with a husband at the time, um, 
And the way that Jesus addresses her is just sweet because he accepts that confession of what you have said is true. Um, that she just has to confess and repent of that. Um, and so it's addressed, and he says, woman, believe me. And I just love how he states that there. Believe me, the hour is coming. Um, and he goes into more detail. But ladies, I just want you to remember that you're created to have a relationship first and foremost with your Savior, Jesus. And he is the only one that can give you satisfaction in that thirst that you're longing for. Many people are longing for different things, but only Jesus can fill that. And that's just a guarantee. Um, and he says that here very plainly. So find those kingdom longings in Jesus. I, I think that's great. I just want you to know that I didn't call any of you a bad Bible character last week, guys. <laughs> Heather called some of you the woman at the well. No. All right, fine. No, no. Strike one for Heather. And again, this is coming from care. Like, we love y'all dearly. And whatever we say, I want you to know, like, we're here to talk through with it. If something is not, um, if you disagree or you feel like, I'd like to talk with you further about that. We're here always. Um, but I can tell you from personal experience, that was me. I was the woman going from person to person to person. And until I said, Jesus is enough, nothing mattered. Like, he is the one that satisfies that thirst. So. I, I will say when I met you, there was something different about you that was from a lot of other girls. When I met you, I thought, oh, the more I got to know Heather, I was like, she doesn't need fixing. I was so used to meeting people that were in a place of healing, which is good. I had been in a place of healing. I had been so used to seeing couples where both of them had this major limp um, and it just seemed normal. And I was in a good spot with the Lord when I met Heather. Heather was in a good spot with the Lord and I thought, oh, this, this could go somewhere. Uh, and it, was, it took me a little while to figure out what's so different about this. And it was because Heather was content in the Lord. She didn't need me. Like she was, that was kind of part of the appeal too. I was like, she doesn't need me. She doesn't know she needs me yet. Um, like, like, but she didn't. She was totally fine without me. And there was something really, really strong in her beauty about that. And I thought, man, that's, that, that is attractive. So, well. But I'm so glad the Lord blessed me with you, though. Blessed. Oh, that's so sweet. That's, I'll take you out to dinner. All right. Uh, what would you say if... So she was a foolish woman, but then she became wise because she actually is the first woman evangelist and she goes and shares that she has seen the Christ with all her village. So, great oh, She story. was the first woman evangelist. She was. Oh, We're okay. going to talk about that That's more good. too. Wish I'd have said that. That's yeah. really good. Um, yeah. A woman was the first evangelist. That is kind of true. Okay, that's really good. I'm going to have to do some homework on that. Let's, let's move on to this whole idea of the pinnacle of womanhood. What would you say is the pinnacle of biblical womanhood? Yeah, um, the pinnacle of biblical womanhood, I know in the church that we hear a lot, and I'm not saying our church because I'm about to praise our church on this, 
Um, the greatest joy in life is marriage and the highest calling is motherhood. Um, I think that that is not true. I think that that's idolatry actually um, because Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9, let's go ahead and read that. If, if we are saying that the greatest joy in life is marriage and the highest calling is motherhood, um, do you want to read it? Did you find it? Yeah. Okay. You shall have no other gods before me, Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9. You shall not make for yourselves a, car a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God. Is that what you wanted? Mm -hmm. Yes. For, I thought you were looking at me like I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. You shall yeah. not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, am your God and I am a jealous God. Yeah. So if we put anything as our greatest joy above Jesus, I call that idolatry and our highest calling being motherhood. Our highest calling is to Jesus. Um, all those things are wonderful and great, but those are not the pinnacle of womanhood. The pinnacle of womanhood is, we're going to go to Matthew 22, 37 through 39. The great commandment. Yeah. Um, the great commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God. Uh, a fellow asked Jesus, what is the great commandment? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second greatest commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets are summed up in these two things. Yes. And so the pinnacle are the great commandment and the great commission. Because whether you have children, whether you're married, you can go and make disciples. God, the Lord wants us to be making disciples right now. You are called to do that now as believers, not when you are, are finished having kids, not when um, or doing it before you have kids or before you get married. And then once you get married, like that's the believer's calling is the great commission um, and the great commandment. So love the Lord your God, love others and go and make disciples. So that is the pinnacle of womanhood in a nutshell. And that's what you're called to do by your savior. And I'll just go ahead and read you the Great Commission, the second part of that, which is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah, I think that is the pinnacle of womanhood. And I think we see that, and we're going to see that in just a little bit in the life of Mary Magdalene. Um, I think the ideal way for Satan to attack you ladies is in, in biblical womanhood is to deceive a woman. Hear me on this. It is to deceive a woman into thinking that God is withholding good from her. The ideal way for Satan to attack biblical womanhood is to deceive a woman into thinking that God is withholding something good from her. Think about Eve in the garden. Oh, God says you shouldn't eat from that tree. God's withholding something good from her is what she thought. She believed the lie and went with it. That is, to me, the greatest trick of Satan for women. Oh, if you had a, if you, you're dating someone, well, if he was your fiance, then you'd be happy. Oh, he's your fiance. Well, if you were married, then you'd be happy. Oh, you don't have kids and you should have kids. Oh, if you had kids, then you would be happy. Oh. 
the neighbors got this car and you guys only have this car. If you had this car, then you would be happy. If your kid, now that they're in college, got into your sorority, then you would be happy. And the list goes on and on and on. And the idea is to take your eyes off of the eternal prize of knowing the Lord and to focus them on something immediate. We see this most often in culture when a woman uses her God-given beauty and twists it to make it something sensual. That is the most common misuse of this. It is when God gives a woman something beautiful and she turns and she uses it for something sensual. Proverbs chapter 11 says that a gold ring in a pig's, that a woman without discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. And so, Proverbs 7 was about that. Oh, yeah. Well. Proverbs 7 is all about the adulterous woman. In the book of Revelation, what do we see? We see the woman in chapters 17 and 18, I believe it is, in the book of Revelation. We see the woman who is pictured as the harlot, and she is the one who has caused kings all over the world to fall. And so, one of the best things that Satan can do is to trick you ladies into thinking that if you don't, act a certain way, be a certain way, do a certain thing in business, in school, with guys, and the list goes on, then you'll never get what you really want. And he uses your powers of persuasiveness often in order to manipulate you, to harness those, to do things that are actually not going to get you what you want, which is the goodness of God and the faithfulness and the kindness of him, but it's going to actually hurt you. So you're going to talk about this for a minute, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I also wanted to talk about the Great Commandment and Great Commission just real quick again. Hey, um, sorry. Um, I want to talk about real quick the loving others, um, John 13, 35. Um, ladies, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The world knows that we're Jesus' disciples by the way that we love each other as believers, as sisters. And if that being said, there's no room for dissensions or gossip or divisions in the body. Um, and I am speaking just strictly to believers right now. Um, so our, our call is to love one another. And if you're not loving each other as sisters, and I know our culture is so hyper on drama and meanness and gossip and the housewives and all the things. Well, that is a direct attack against what Jesus has called you to do. And don't go there. You're not called to that. You're called to something higher and you're worthy of more. So step into that calling um, and love each other because that's how the world will know that we're his disciples. And that's how the world will know they need Jesus too because we're different than the world. We don't want to look like that. So. And I think you and I have seen that oftentimes with, um, with, since we're talking to ladies, with ladies a lot of times, Christian girls, uh, is when there's nothing to fight about, they're bored. And they're always kind of, when you get to the place where you're always looking for the next drama, the next person to be mad at, the next person to hurt your feelings, the next person to hold a grudge, grudge against, then you've been going down that road for a while and it is a super common thing that happens within the church. And you've got to just guard yourself and say, hey, 
I, I, you have to realize I'm in an unhealthy place if drama is exciting to me. I have become a woman of the world, not a woman of the scriptures. And so the woman of the scriptures has this, uh, this internal beauty, and the Bible calls it a quiet and gentle spirit, not an argumentative and divisive spirit. And that's, that's all out of First Peter. Um, but let's keep going because I want you to get to this next part. Okay, yeah. So this is, um, I want to talk about Mary Magdalene for a minute. She's an awesome person in the Bible. Um, her backstory is, is that she was demon-possessed um, and an outcast, and Jesus healed her of that. And then she began to just travel with the disciples alongside them and um, hear the teachings of Jesus and get loved on by Jesus. And um, I just want to use her as a picture of um, the... How do we need to say it? I mean, I think you're talking about just... The- so we're talking about Eve was in the garden right at the beginning. And now we're going to talk about Mary in a new garden. Okay. Yeah, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to set up this idea of a woman in her natural fallen state and what a redeemed biblical woman is going to look like. And we're going to look at a comparison and a contrast between Eve in the garden in Genesis and Mary Magdalene. So if she, if Heather's talking and she just calls her Mary, it's not like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was a common name then. It's a common name now. And so this is Mary Magdalene, the one who had seven demons. So we're going to do a little compare contrast between what's really going to be the picture of the old, the old person in without Christ and the new person in Christ with the idea of biblical woman. So, so go ahead. And what the first, God, the first and, and second garden. Yes. And what God has done to restore that. That's right. Um, it's a really sweet story. And I, I just want ladies just to listen. It's just really cool because a lot of men put us in the category of Eve, but we've actually, we actually are in the category of Mary Magdalene. So I want you to listen to it. Okay. Um, And this comes from a book that I love and I'll bring it next week to hand out, but it's called No More Holding Back by Kat Armstrong. It's amazing. All ladies need to read it. Guys, you can read it too. But um, it's on um, women moving past their barriers, seeing their worth, and serving God everywhere. And it's just awesome. But this comes from her book. Um, In the first garden, we see Eve was placed inside it by God's initiative. And in the second garden, Mary comes on her uh, by God's in, invitation. I thought you were just going to do all oh, the bad stuff. Oh, I didn't yeah, know how the, you did the do slides. Do all the bad stuff first. Okay, sorry. No, it's too late. Brandon already showed them. Here we go. This Ready? is this is the fallen. So here we go. Um, oh, what are we doing? You want this one? All right, go for it. We'll do the side by side, Brandon. Let's go sorry ba- about that. Let's all right, go there back we go. to the bad. No, I want to go back to the bad. Let's go back. We're going to do bad. what Heather wants. There here we, we go. go. Okay. All right. So, are we going back? Yeah, we're going back. Okay, yeah. Eve was placed inside it by God's initiative. Eve was created after Adam as a helper. That's important. We're going to talk about that. And Eve faced the fruit-producing tree of life and initiated a rebellion, a curse of death for all. 
The serpent approached Eve with cunning and questions that sowed doubt. Okay, so that was in the beginning. But unfortunately, even in the church, women are kind of put in this category of, oh, bless you, ladies. You just destroyed everything, you know? And with all these things that happened and took place. But in the new resurrected story, we're going to talk about what Mary fulfilled yeah. in her life. So um, in the second garden, instead of um, she's coming by God's invitation to the garden, and instead of being created after Adam, Mary is the first person to see the resurrected Jesus before Peter or John. She's the first one there on the scene. And remember, this is resurrected Jesus. This is life. He's alive. He's not on the cross. This is living Jesus. And the first word that he speaks out of his mouth is woman. He addresses her, and that's the first word that he says as resurrected Christ. And that is in um, John, John 20, right? Yep. Um, and then um, Eve faced the fruit producing tree of life, but then she faced the tomb of death, only to find Jesus had initiated the resurrection life for all. And in the grave, there was no body. And then the serpent approached Eve with cunning questions back in the old garden. and the new garden, angels greeted Mary, and then Jesus himself appeared, all asking compassionate questions that sowed hope. So this is our new hope, ladies. Like, we're on this side of things. Um, we're the first to see Jesus. He spoke woman um, right away out of his life that has been risen from the grave. And I think that really was to tend to that issue of back in the garden, just to show her, this is, this is, this is right. You're the one that was supposed to be here, and you're the one that's going to go tell, because he says, go tell my brothers. So she is the first one to go tell the guys that, about Jesus being resurrected and being alive. So I just think that's fascinating. So Eve was deceived. Mary was commissioned. Eve rebelled. Mary obeyed. And the enemy today says, oh, you're just like your mother Eve. But the Savior says, go tell my brothers. Like, we have to remember what, how the Savior sees us. And it is, go tell my brothers. And we are the helper of our brothers. That's what we're called to do. And because we were created as helper. And that is in marriage, as a wife, but it's also in the body. We are to help our brothers. And guys, your job is defender and protector of the sisters. And that's your job. Um, so working cohesively in the body. Um, so the curse of being easily deceived died when Jesus rose from the grave. So. I mean, you were preaching. I was just listening. This was really good. Anyway. Hey, I think, <laughs> I think that it's really great. Let's, let's go back to this real quick. I just want to walk up to the television and show you, go back to the, the double screens, Brandon. I just think this is fascinating. 
And Kat Armstrong points this out in her book. This was really, this was really motivating and uh, life, I think it was probably life transforming for Heather. This whole idea of the Eve, Mary Magdalene compare and contrast. Eve is deceived. Eve has a choice of God or the curse uh, or, or, or this rebellion against God. Um, she is then uh, questioned and, and doubts. And I think that so often the church has done these things to women today. We read some of Paul's words and we say, uh, and we read some of, of what Peter says and we think, okay, the woman is the weaker vessel. The woman should be quiet in church and exercise no authority over a man. We have men write theology books uh, we have women that, like in my seminary classes, there were like two girls in every class, and we would look at them kind of like, I guess we were meeting a quota, I'm not sure, because like this is like man's own. Like only men can think about the things of God. And then we think about like, um, guys, I'm talking to you, we think, oh, well, well women are like super uh, emotional and reactive. Then us guys, we're like calm and cool, and like we can make good decisions. And, uh, and you go back, and I really think that men have believed the lie of Eve also. That women are much, today are much like Eve was then. Deceived and being easily deceived and choosing a curse over a blessing. But think about this. Our Messiah, when raised from the dead, could have talked to any number of people, could have picked anyone to show up at the resurrection. Do you know the first one on the scene? It was the women. The tomb, and I heard a lady Bible teacher say this one time, the tomb was, was sealed with a stone. If a bunch of guys had gone, hear me on this, if a bunch of you guys had gone, like if we were like, let's go get Jesus out of the tomb because we've got to put, put some like spices on his body, we would have sat there and we would have drawn it and we would have been like, well, we're going to need a fulcrum. There's no way to get that stone out without a fulcrum. And like, and how much does the stone weigh? Do we even know if we can lift all that? How much can you bench and you squat and you bench and you squat? Like we would have come up with this whole formula. Meanwhile, the ladies were already there. And again, I heard a, a, a woman Bible teacher telling this story and she did such a great job telling this. That's right. The women were already there. You women, you didn't have to figure it all out ahead of time. You just knew what the right thing to do was and you did it. I imagine when they got to the tomb, they were probably like about, I don't know, maybe like a, a, a few feet away and they were like, so what are we going to do with that stone? Where and they were like, well, they, I think your phone is falling. Yes, you got to put it back on that ear there. Yeah, there we go. Oh, she's taking the mic off. She doesn't even need the microphone. There we go. What's she going to do with that? Here you go. Just hold it right there. Okay. It's going to just stay right there. Okay. Um, they actually were in a race. It says that. That's a funny verse. It says, so Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Yeah. John outran Peter. I love Peter, how they just wrote that in. <laughs> got to the tomb first, but who was there? Mary Magdalene was there first. Our picture of the second Eve the redeemed Eve. And what happens? She's the, she comes on God's invitation. She's the first person to see the resurrected Christ before Peter and John. She faced the tomb of death only to find Jesus had initiated the resurrection life for all who believe. 
angels greeted Mary Magdalene, and then Jesus himself appears to her. And the first word that he says after being resurrected is woman. It was believed for years and years and years and years that it was the woman who had caused the whole world to unravel. And I think Jesus was showing us here, fellas, wake up. And I know that doesn't play well in 2021 to say that, but there's still plenty of places in the world that would say, the guys need to make all the decisions. We need to be the spiritual leaders. We need to lord it over the women. And the first person to see the resurrected Christ is a woman. And I think that should tell all of us, women, God has something special and powerful for you to do for him. And men, we would do well to observe what the Lord is doing in some of these women's lives and step up and support them in what he is doing. Pray for them in their job when they get promoted and they have men reporting to them and women reporting to them. Find out what's going on in their families. Find out who they're, who they're sharing with uh, that doesn't know Jesus. The Lord does powerful, powerful things in women's lives and guys talk over them all the time. And I think we need to be ones who listen and who protect the ladies that God has put in our lives. And so, you wanted to keep going though for just a minute more on a couple of other things. No, I was just gonna say, I mean, cause Eve brought death and it was life-giving cause Jesus resurrected. I mean, that's life. And um, the meaning of Eve though, in Hebrew is the source of life. And that's not only meaning just childbearing, it's just like, it's are you a life giver? Think about that. Like as women, are you life givers in all your surroundings? Like we talked about being the gossip or the um, causing divisions and is that life giving? It's not. Um, is it hopping from one person to person, you know, to another person to another person? Is that life giving? It's not. So. I want us to think about just because Mary, as the example, she... Will's going to help you out. I love that. Yes. Amazing. That's so much better. Get that thing off. Um, okay, you're good. Okay. So part of your identity is life giver. Um, the other, and I'm going to say the... Do you have those verses up here? I want you to know who you are in Christ and what he says about you. Um, and this is also for the men, but I'm just speaking to the ladies um, because I want them to remember who they are. And you're not what the world defines you as or what you feel like you have to glean from the world. You need to look right here because everything here shows your worth. Um, so, do we have those at They're all? not up there. Oh, no. Okay. Can I, can you read some of these? Mm -hmm. um, Genesis 1.26, you are image bearer of the one true God, reflecting his glory because we were made in his likeness. So that's number one. You're image bearer of the one true God, reflecting his glory. You were made to do that. Shine bright. Uh, 
Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. You were designed to wage war against spiritual forces, to push back the powers of darkness. You can do that through Christ. It's in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of the Almighty God. As a result, we are competent ministers of the gospel. You are called to share the gospel, and you are a competent minister to share the gospel. And that is in 2 Corinthians 3.6. You have been called by God into a holy calling, not according to your gender, abilities, education, but based on God's grace, an irrevocable calling to be God's own. 2 Timothy 1.9. And Ephesians 2.1-10. I love these verses. They're great. So Thomas is going to read this. And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedient, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our own flesh, carrying out desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yes, did you hear that? You're not dead any longer. You're alive in Christ. You're alive. Be life-giving. Don't bring death. You're not called to the dead things. You're called to life. Be life-giving. And also, did you hear also that you are already seated? You know, God is not bound by past, present, or future. You're already seated with the Father in heaven. He already sees you there. Act like it here. You're victorious in Christ. You're already seated with the Father. He sees you there. How cool is that? Like, that's future for us, but it's present for him. He sees it already because you are covered by his son's blood and redeemed and alive. And just remember that. Don't be about the dead things. Be about life. Um, Revelation 5.10 also says that you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. That's our future, and that's now. We are kingdom priests, and that means that we're competent ministers of the gospel. Don't forget that. You're called to share the gospel. You're called to bring things of life um, by the resurrecting power of Jesus. So my questions as we end, what, build, what kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? Is it your kingdom or is it his kingdom? Are you about his things or your things? Whose kingdom are you living your true identity in? 
Do you remember your true identity? Do you know your true identity? Or are you just trying to grasp all these different things that you see on Instagram or TikTok or whatever? Or do you know who you are in Christ and what he has purposed you for? And your worth, your worth is so deep and he loves you so much. So are we being life-giving to the body of Christ and to those that don't know our Savior? Those are two biblical womanhood things that I wanted to bring today. So, And I think you said this, oh, no, yeah. no woman measures up to perfect womanhood, but the resurrected Savior, he's the one that calls you to life and to be life-giving. Ladies, no marriage is going to make you happy. No boyfriend is going to make you happy. No engagement, no number of kids, no life of singleness where you own 10 companies and all those kinds of things is going to make you happy. No degree is going to make you happy. And you can have a marriage that's great and 10 kids, bless you if you do, and all those things and still not necessarily be life-giving. There are a lot of people who have come on this earth and propagated the earth with kids and then left this earth and there's nothing to show for their life in future generations of spiritual life giving. I think about some of you who work with our children. I think some of you who lead small groups. I think about some of you who work with K-Life and Young Life. I think about some of you who are in a Bible study at your company or in your school. And I praise God for you because you are learning what it means to be a life giver. You have been given life by the Lord if you're born again. And may you give life to those around you. And I want to end with this thought. Can I just say, of course, you can say whatever that, you want, but, um, In that, welcome to a snapshot of our living room. <laughs> but right. in that, if you if you are loving God first, giving Him everything, He's enough for you. If that's first, and you're loving others, all those things that of being a good wife, it just comes because of the sanctification process. You are so close with Him in a relationship that you don't have to be like, oh, what do I do here? What do I do here? That it comes naturally through this. So, yeah, be encouraged. Walk with Jesus closely. I have one. Oh. <laughs> this is kind of like powerful. I need this. <laughs> do it. <laughs> what if we had that in our house? Anyone want to talk? It's my turn. No, it's... It's mine. It's yours. Mine. Hey, I heard a, 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 an old pastor say this one time. I, I, okay, I'm so sorry. Hey. This is my last thing. <laughs> Don't, and I'm, I'm already negative minutes. So sorry, guys. Um, I do want to say, I really love God's design of men leading. Don't get me wrong when I'm saying all of this. I am so appreciative that I have a strong leader in a man who follows the Lord and leads me well because this girl needs a leader because I'm strongly opinionated and I wanna be obedient to the Lord first and foremost. And so I sought out a man and prayed for a man who would lead well because I wanted to be obedient to Jesus and I wanted somebody to lead me that way. 
So don't get me wrong when I'm talking about all of this for women. I do appreciate my man. That's real sweet. I still have one. Oh, <laughs> how do I keep doing that? <laughs> yeah, why don't you guys come up here? Come on up. Hey, Heather, I'm so glad for you, and I'm so glad for the way that the Lord has used you and has been working in your life. The more I have seen Heather be in this book, the more I have seen Heather honestly not need me, but really need the Lord. And then together, we're just like a bonus thing. It's like, good. But she loves the Lord way more than she loves me. For all of you, men and women in the room, I'll end with this thought. There was an old pastor that I heard teach one time. He, uh, he actually died preaching. Um, not in this sermon, though. I didn't see that part. But he did die in the pulpit one day. But he had this one line, and I thought it was so good. He said, life is what's happening while you're waiting for it to start. This is your life. Like, what you have right now is your life. If tomorrow never comes, and you wash up on the shores of heaven, what's that first conversation with the Lord going to be like? I know he's going to have to wipe away some tears from all of our eyes in certain moments. But my hope is that you're so content with him in this moment that it'll just be a welcome home when you see him. So let me pray for you. Lord, You've called us to biblical manhood. You've called us to biblical womanhood. And that first starts with that relationship with Jesus. Father, he's the only one that can lead us to you. And you're the only one that can give us contentment and peace. You're the only one that can make us life givers. You're the only, ones that, you're the only one that can make us in a godly, brave way. You're the only one that can give us that peace that we need. You're the only one, Father, who really knows who we are. Lord, would we be like Mary Magdalene? And Lord, as we see you, the resurrected Jesus, may we believe and then may we go and obey and find our greatest joy is in knowing you. Lord, be in this place now as we worship. Speak to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.